Welcome to the Motorcycle Vagabond Show. Today we have James Sterling. How are you doing today, James? Good morning, Z. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a fabulous morning in Tennessee. So where are you at? I am in North Little Rock, which is actually a separate city from Little Rock uh, in Arkansas. Oh, okay. I really just would have figured that was a suburb. Uh, that's what I thought when I first moved. I just moved here from California at the beginning of the year uh, and thought it was a suburb as well, but it is actually a separate city. It's on the other side of the uh, Arkansas River. Um, oh, very nice. Yeah. So. When did you find this place that you moved to? I found it in June. I was uh, actually preparing to go out to California. I was going to fly out to California uh buy a van to bring my stuff back because I knew I was going to live in the area and um, saw this place two days before the plane trip and called my realtor and said, get me in there, and was negotiating to buy it sitting in the airports between flights. Oh, that's really cool. So, yeah, and wound up uh, taking possession of it the middle of June. It's it's a shit show of a house. It's uh, it was two, two bedrooms, one bath on a quarter acre for $29,000. Um, it's a, it's a rehab job and it took me about a month and a half to get it in some kind of shape so that I could actually live in it while I continue to rehab it. It's my retirement project. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun though. Gets to be your own little nest. Yes, exactly. I mean, I've, I've rebuilt a number of artist live workspaces, uh, and this way I get to build something that I keep. So it's, uh, and it'd be a great base to, have for just you know once it's done uh just going off on motorcycle adventures and having a place to come home to um i've already had a bunker biker stay here um nice. yeah it was a connection that i made from the first bunker biker rally um willie, willie nelson's wife uh liz liz uh was on a cross-country trip by herself and uh stayed here so oh super cool it, yeah it's, it's fun to have a place that i can uh you know, call my own, but at the same time, open it up to communities. So, so speaking of the first event, I met you in Arizona at the Motorcycle Vagabond Rally in 2020. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about that event. I, I feel like this was a life-changing event for you from what you said. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been riding motorcycles at that point for about 35 years. Um, but hadn't really done extensive camping off of the motorcycle. You know, I mean, I go out with friends for a weekend kind of camp trip, but never this, this was the, at the beginning of what would turn into a 17,000 mile ride where I went through each of the lower 48 states. Um, and it was just, it was the second planned stop. Um, and, Oh, there was just so many, so many different things that were firsts for me. Um, like I had never found a campsite before using a pin on a map that was just coordinates. Usually I had an address. Um, so it's like learning how to trust my GPS, um, and follow that. Uh, but, but, uh, it was fun meeting you and everybody else there. Uh, I, I didn't realize there was a bit of hazing that went on. <laughs> so here comes this purple V-Strom with this really cool 
paint job on the back of it, overloaded with stuff. And so he rolls up, and my thing is I'm like, hey, everyone, let's go over and talk to this guy and stare at him while I set up camp. And I get everyone in on this thing every time someone comes in. And this is a chance for people to ask questions and for someone to feel welcome. So I, I forcefully initiate any new person who comes in by doing this. And so we go talk to him and ask him questions. And who, who's that artist that you like that you do the paint job by? Pete Mondrian. Yeah, real cool. Like Cubism, is it? Yes, he he, he was one of the founders of the Cubism movement. He was yeah. also a fine artist um, who who you know branched out into Cubism, and it's it's basically just uh, black lines straight up and down, uh, and uh, creating squares and rectangles that he it's, it's black lines on a white background and. A few of the squares are filled in with primary colors, red, uh, red, yellow, and blue. Uh, there, there's no, like, purples and greens and pinks and things like that. So, uh, and, and I like putting a little bit of that on, uh, every bike, uh, that I own. This one was on the sides of the, uh, the paneers. It, it was definitely, uh, something that would catch your attention. It was really cool. So well, thank here, you. Here he comes. Yeah, I, I use it. It's a conversation starter at rest stops and things like that because uh, I love talking with people. Oh yeah, so uh, here he comes into the the campsite, and this this was the first vagabond rally. It's down a dusty road in the up near Strawberry, Arizona, and so he he starts setting up and going around and asking everyone and telling us about how he's got to go on the six month trip around the country and how he's going to go. And this was. August that this rally was right during Sturgis that year and so he was going to do the lower states and then the upper states and he went around and asked everyone about this and how did that go for you? <laughs> oh my god well first off it, 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 people coming over and they weren't just asking me questions they were giving me all manner of grief for how much stuff I brought and, and I mean <laughs> In retrospect, they were absolutely correct. I was way overpacked. I was, I, I, like you said, this is a 650 V Strom, which is uh, a sport. I guess it's a sport adventure bike or adventure touring. And I'm used to riding Goldwings, which I can carry massive amounts of stuff, and the bike doesn't even notice it. But this bike was barely holding itself. Anyway, and people just give me all manner of shit for you know how much stuff I brought and how many tools. I, I had enough tools that if the uh, if I had a catastrophic engine failure, I could have rebuilt the engine on the side of the road. But, you know, after talking, I realized if I have a catastrophic engine failure, I'm not rebuilding the engine on the side of the road. I don't need all these tools. I, I, I don't need as many changes of clothing as I brought. You know, things like that. So it was just, uh, it was, it was really informative as far as that goes. Um, but the, the route, I, it was a, um, I had planned, it was, I was going to go around the country in a counterclockwise fashion where, like you said, running across the southern states first, then flipping up the, uh, east coast and then coming back across the, uh, the northern border before dropping down the west coast back to Oakland, California, where I was based at the time. Um, and every single person is like, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Every single one of them. And like, I, I was starting to get upset, annoyed. It's like, no, no, you guys don't understand my genius in this. 
<laughs> you know, and it was just, but they're saying, no, you're going across the south in the summer where the temperatures are going to be in triple digits. And by the time your route, you know, brings you up across Montana and some of those higher passes, um, you know, you're going to have to put your chains on to get through the snow. And, you know, if, if one person, just one person had said, wow, that's a great route, I probably would have done it. But, you know, as it turns out, you know, this, this is what the rally is great for is you have the collective wisdom of a bunch of people who have done stuff you haven't done yet. Um, and so I, I actually listened to them, uh, turned the bike around, um, rode back to Oakland, you know, kind of bit the bullet on it. It's like, okay, let's reset here. Um, left half my gear there, left half the toolkit there. And headed out again across the northern route, um, the, the, the way they suggested, um, and didn't miss a single thing I left behind. That's the thing. And it, it, it did. It turned into a far more comfortable trip for that. Um, but it's so it funny because was... you went around and talked to it. Like a lot of us individually, we were in small groups or by ourselves. And you said, I saw you do it to multiple people. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> they're going to say the same thing. You don't want to go south right now. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It wasn't like you were all sitting around in a group agreeing with each other. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you weren't paying attention, like you were, you wouldn't even notice that that I'd already talked to somebody about this. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I look back on it now and I laugh. I laugh at myself. It was just like you know the, the things that we think we can do that we think are a good idea. Um, it's 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 often uh, a good idea to get a second opinion. So, and, and, but what I, I love that also about the motorcycling community. Everybody is more than willing to offer their opinion. <laughs> more than willing. They'll, they'll, they'll almost pay you to listen to them at this point. Exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> do, do, do not ask about motor oil on a thread. Or that, tires. That, that, or tires. Motor oil and tires are just, you know. They're, so how they're, was Oh, the, 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 the trip was amazing. The trip was amazing. I mean, you know, start, starting with, you know, rolling rolling it. I mean, one of the things I've noticed that you like seem to like to do with picking these campsites is finding a boulder-strewn entrance. Just so, you know, <laughs> so you can sit there and laugh at the people trying to figure out how to get their bikes actually into the campsite. I'm just here to facilitate adventure. So I picked some really right. cool spots that require you to adventure to get there, and there's always one person that drops it at the entrance. At least, you know. But, and, but the thing is, I noticed that nobody laughs at them. They just all run over to help them pick up the bike, you know. It's just because we all do it. At some point, we all drop our bike. And, well, if you're not uh, dropping your bike, you're not pushing outside your comfort zone often enough. Exactly. Exactly. I, I did a uh, – before, before this trip, uh, a few of my buddies – and I, we, we actually went to a dirt bike riding class. Um, it was a, it was a two day thing in the Sierra Mountains. Um, and it was, it was basically a series of low speed motorcycle accidents that were interspersed with short periods of actually riding the bike, uh, in places that motorcycles were never meant to be ridden. And I really, really upped my dirt game and it, and it actually helped my street game as well um which which turned out to be very important on the trip because i i do like going off road and i you know I, and now when i find myself actually in dirt when i don't expect it to 
uh, my butt doesn't pucker the way that it used to. Um, so, but, but yeah, no, it was, uh, the trip, the trip was fabulous. Um, it was, well, initially we were going to go up to Dead Horse, uh, a, a group of us, Dead Horse, which is as far north as you can go on the North American continent on roads. Um, and on my birthday, March 20th, 2020, they shut the country down, closed the borders to Canada and the trip was off. And I, I was still like, well, you know, I have this motorcycle. I'm, I'm planning to go someplace. I have nothing to do. <clears throat> so um, I figured I had been through most of the lower 48. There were about eight states I hadn't been through. And I thought, well, let me plan a trip to pick those eight states up. And I was thinking, well, while I'm at it, why, why don't I just do a trip where I tag each of the lower 48 states? Um, and... It was it was it was it was, it was uh, a trip of a lifetime. One of those, um, you know, where I'd never actually been out on the bike for a couple of months straight without actually, you know, tagging back to a home base or something like that. Um, met a lot of cool people and uh, rode through a lot of amazing landscape as well. I tried staying off the freeways as much as possible, staying on two lanes. Um, back roads and whatnot, um, I've read a lot of travel logs. So, you know, and they all inspired me to, to do something like this. I'm really glad to hear that. I mean, I'm super passionate about traveling, so I obviously get really invested in hearing other people going out and loving the thing that I love to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're one of the people that inspires me. Uh, the fact that you're you're primarily living off of your bike Um you know, most of the year anyway. And um, it's like, wow, you know, if I was younger, uh, I I would actually be more considering that now. Um, I had a, you know, the vagabond spirit has always kind of been with me, but I've never had the courage to actually get out and do stuff like that. So it's, uh, I, I like watching watching people, people do it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm 67 now just as a reference for, you know, um, people, it's, and getting old doesn't mean just sitting in a rocking chair, you know, it's, it's like, to me, it's, it's time to get out and start having these adventures, um, I've done my life as far as my work life and everything like that, so it's, uh, it's, it's fun, and, and reading, reading about what other people do, um, some of it was motorcycle related, like uh, Neil Pert's uh, Ghost Rider, um, the uh, Jupiter Travels um, was another one um, as far as motorcycle. Elspeth Beard, her book, Lone Rider, was really, really inspiring. She's the, the first British woman to circumnavigate the globe on a motorcycle, and she, she did most of that trip solo. Uh, and reading about her ventures and, and, and just how badly things went sideways for her and, and still found a way to keep going. Uh, I mean, where she wrecked and she actually, uh, I think she broke her, her arm or clavicle or something like that and was laid up for four months someplace, but, you know, found some people, you know, I mean, because she's in the middle of nowhere where she knows nobody and people, you know, were willing to take care of her. So, you know, it was just 
amazing reading that. Plus, uh, books like Travels with Charlie, John Steinbeck's book, where he, he drove around a pickup truck with his dog. Um, but the first one that really got me was uh, Blue Highways, William Lee's Pete Moon, where, you know, his, his wife basically wanted a divorce and took everything and left him with his van. So he just uh, decided to drive around the country um, on the Blue Highways, which back in the day, you know, you only had the paper maps. And the freeways were in red, and the secondary roads were in blue. And he decided he was just going to run around on the blue roads. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that someday. And and this trip was an opportunity to do that. So. Are you planning any new trips in the future? Um, I haven't got one planned at this point. I'm, you know, basically uh, the, the last trip I had planned was just kind of meander around looking for a place to live uh, once I retired um, and, you know, landed in Little Rock, bought the house, and the house is the project now. The uh, I still want to get up to Dead Horse. That's a, uh, that's a bucket list trip for me. Um, and while I'm up there, I also want to, like, hit, uh, was it Tuk-Toyotuk? I'm sure I'm pronouncing that horribly. No, I think you're, that's pretty accurate. I heard the guy, I talked to a guy last night that had been up there, and that's about how he pronounced it. Tuk-Toyotuk? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's as far north in Canada as you can go uh, on highways. And the both of them get you up to the... Uh, uh, Arctic Ocean, um, although Dead Horse, the roads to the ocean, uh, Prudhoe Bay, are privately owned, so you have to take a shuttle, whereas uh, up in Tuck, um, you can actually take a picture of your motorcycle in front of this sign that's, you know, in the sand that says Arctic Ocean, and the water behind you is the Arctic Ocean. So I want to go up there, too. I just don't know when I'm going to make it. Right, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I, I did call a couple of my buddies who were going to do the trip with me originally, uh, and say, you know what, the borders are open. Maybe we should start planning this thing again. Um, so conversation has started as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's the next trip that, uh, I, I guess I, I have, uh, I don't know. A, a, a lot of it is I just um, I just take a notion and take off and, and go someplace. Um, you know, again, I'm back with uh, more the weekend trips or the three or four day trips, just kind of spoking out from from uh, Little Rock here, North Little Rock, just to uh, just to explore the area a little more intensely. Because that's the thing is, you know, you go on one of these long trips. And everybody's like, oh, you should ride this. Oh, you should ride that. Oh, you should ride. And you can't ride all the cool rides on one trip. It's just. Um, it's not possible. I have no. people who ask me that all the time. I want to go out and do everything on this one trip. And I'm like, I've been doing this six years and I still haven't gotten everything I want to see. Right. And that's the, that's the great thing about it because there's always something to go back for. Exactly. It's not, it, it's not like, okay, well, okay, you know what? I, I, I've done my 17,000-mile trip. I've ridden through each of the lower 48 states. Um, so that's done, and, and actually it isn't done because, yeah, while I did tag each of the states, there's so many different rides in each of the states um, that I haven't been on. And one of the things that um, I, I don't like 
uh, that people tend to do, and, and maybe they don't mean to do it, um, is they, it, like, they, they turn these things like into a competition. You say, well, I rode Tale of the Dragon, and you get, oh, that's, that road's nothing compared to the roads we have out here. We've got way better roads. And I'm thinking, it's, it's not a competition. Tale of the Dragon is a cool road just in and of itself. Um, and is fun for what it is, but it's also a lot of fun to be on a two-lane country road that just gently undulates back and forth, you know, where, where you're not trying to drag your shoulder on the ground going around the corners. So, the, you know, That the, usually gets me, too, when people are like, oh, this is better or that's better. Why can't they all just be great? They're all great for their yeah. own way. They're all unique. Exactly. Exactly. You have to be happy to ride, you know, cool roads. I mean, what's wor- like, what's better in life than that? Right, right. I mean, two wheels and an engine, and I can throw my leg over it, and I'm probably going to be happy whatever road I'm on. It's, it's about being out on the motorcycle and enjoying being out on the motorcycle. Um, so, but but I did hit some roads that it was <laughs> that it was. Uh, this one's called the Burr Trail Road. It's in southern Utah, and it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security because you're out on dirt, a uh, little bit of washboarding, and you think, okay, this isn't bad. I can handle this. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're looking at a sheer cliffside that they have carved switchbacks into going up, uh, you know, and, it, and it's kind of a, 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 a dirt, dirt set of switchbacks. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun to run up it. And, you know, there's no guardrails, so there's this sense of, uh, a, a little bit of fear, which, uh, is, is generally a good thing. Uh, and every once in a while they throw a car coming at you going down the hill. So, but I get up to the top of this set of switchbacks and there are these guys on leader bikes. Um, I eventually, you know, got up to a, a stretch of tarmac out of the dirt onto the tarmac and there's these four or five guys on leader bikes and they're, they're, they're sitting there having a beer and um, they look at me and their eyes just, you know, popped open because here I am, I'm on my, uh, you know, on the V-strum loaded with camping gear um, and a motorcycle tire on the back of the bike, uh, excuse me, a, a car tire on the back of the bike and it, they like you just came up that hill because they they know about the switchbacks. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, are you guys going down? And they're like, oh hell no. So it was uh, interesting to see that you know di- different different bikers like different kinds of roads um, and whatnot. But yeah, the, the but you know. I'd, I'd hate it if I was always on the switchbacks. Every once in a while, I just like to head out on a straightaway, you know, some straight road. Um, well, the switchbacks require a lot of attention. You you, yeah. you have to be a hundred percent on the road. You don't get the chance to look around or you know get lost in your thoughts for a couple seconds because that's how you die. You go right off the mountain, <laughs> and there's not going to be a good time. So the you know the, the sweeping roads and the straight roads have their place to you know get to relax and just enjoy you and the motorcycle and to look around. Exactly, exactly. People are like, so what? What do you listen to while you're on the road? And I'm like, yeah, I don't have headphones. 
You know, I'm not listening to the radio or songs that I've downloaded or or anything. You know, in fact, I'm, you know, I am just in my head. I tell people it's a party up there. You know, I, I just love being out where I can. It's a form of meditation for me. Riding the motorcycle is a form of meditation. But like you said, you get into these things and you, your, your attention is on. You know, it has to be. like, Or, you know, you're going over an edge that you don't want to go over. Um, there's a uh, there's a really cool road out in California uh, called Mines Road that is very popular with, with motorcyclists because it's um, – it's it's a two lane that actually comes down to single track um is kind of paved some of it's a bit goaty uh some really cool turns on it but you have to pay attention and i've i've gone out in groups and um you know we've been that there are people who have gone over the edge fortunately nobody's been hurt badly um but you know people have died uh who have you know basically they they weren't paying attention. They come into a corner too hot, and uh, the next thing you know, that they're they're over the edge and done. So it's uh, and I mean I like roads like that because you know it's uh, it's it, it's challenging, and I like a challenge. But but at the same time, I I would I wouldn't ride if that's the only kind of riding that I get. You know, it's like like these people who they that they own these motorcycles, and they basically all all they do is ride on the track. The rest of the time, they're, you know, they're running around in their cages. Um, then they like the track riding. Uh, they're actually, I guess one guy said, I'm afraid to drive on the streets. There's nuts out there. So, and that's the truth. I mean, you have to be, you have to be paying attention most of the time on the motorcycle anyway, in a way that you don't need to in a car. Because, you know, there are things that you, you hit in a car, like, like you recently experienced. Um, that'll kill you if you're on a motorcycle and you hit it the same way. So you have to be paying a lot more attention. But, um, you know, it, it's fun to get to a place where you're just, you know, you, you, you can you can meditate for a moment. It is. I mean, I the deer that we hit yesterday or a couple mornings ago was at 9 a.m. on I-70 in Indiana. Busy road. During the day, deer just steps right out. And I'm so glad I right. weren't on the bikes for that. Yeah, that that would have been uh, a, a bit more devastating. And 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 that's also an hour you don't expect the deer to be out. They usually they they usually pull this in the dusk or yeah. in the night. I, I call it deer mm. time, dusk and uh, dawn. I call those deer times. Right. Right. So and you said no- car tire. Yes, I did. I, I want to hear uh, about your opinions on dark siding and what you dark sided on. Okay. Um, yeah, the first bike I dark sided on was the V Strom. Uh, this was I, I had a two oh five uh, width tire on a rim that was designed, I believe, for a one fifty. So you kind of really got to squeeze the tire on there, um, and. You know, I watched a few videos, and actually there was uh, one set of videos by this guy named Moto Giant, who I met at the first Bunker Biker rally. Oh, man, you and Don well, going at it was some of the funniest shit. <laughs> People thought we were like an old fairy couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 
Well, you did, you did this thing at the campfire once. It's like, okay, we should each impersonate somebody that we've met here. And I just went off impersonating Don. Uh, that just had, had everybody roaring with laughter. Um, but yeah, no, the, we were camped next to each other and, um, you know, the next morning we're, uh, sitting there, both of us were up kind of early and just sitting there talking quietly, you know, about, uh, any number of things. And, uh, that's when I found out he was the, the moto giant, uh, and had done a couple of things on, on, uh, car tires on the back of the, uh, you know, dark siding, car tire on the back of a motorcycle. And, uh, well, this trip was my first experience riding with it. I'd, I'd ridden around town with it and uh, was interested to see how it was going to handle on this trip because I knew I was going off-road as well. Um, and I love it. I absolutely love it. It's different. It is different. The bike handles differently. Um, but it's it's like if you go from riding a Harley to riding a sport adventure bike, you have to learn how to ride the sport adventure bike. You can't ride it the same way you ride the Harley. So, you know, you get on there, you learn it, you learn the quirks, you learn how it corners a little differently, this, that, and the other thing, and then you forget about it after a while. You're just riding it, and that's kind of the way it was with the car tire. It does corner a little bit differently, um, but the grip, the grip on the the, the tarmac was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, what kind of air pressure it, do you run in them? I I had the tire overinflated at the time. I was running, I think, close to forty pounds, um, and wound up at the end of the trip running at about twenty five pounds, which was slightly underinflated. Because what, what what happened was. With it being overinflated, the center of the tire was wearing out, and I still had—I knew I had about five thousand more miles to go—and uh, didn't want to replace the tire because it's difficult to find a shop that will put a car tire on a motorcycle rim. Most most motorcycle shops won't even won't, won't go there. I've heard um, you have to go to like a go to a car tire a used car tire place, usually like at the Mexican shops, and tell them it's for a trailer, and I heard they'll do it. I guess, yeah. I, I, I have, was fortunate enough living in Oakland where there was a do-it-yourself motorcycle place that had a pneumatic uh, machine. Because you need a pneumatic machine to do this. It, it's going to be very difficult if you don't. Um, and uh, I learned how to do it myself, So, which which is a lot of fun. I love popping tires on and off of rims. Um, with but the machine. The, with the machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it on the side of the road with spoons. That's and, not fun. Uh, no, no not that. no. Nobody likes that at all. <laughs> so, but you do what you have to do. Um, but so I was over, so, so I decided. Well, let me take it down. I took it down to twenty-five, which was underinflated, and it it. So basically, I was running on the outside edges of the tire and using the tread that was still there and made it for another 5,000 miles. But the thing is, I was getting 25,000 miles out of a tire, um, whereas I was getting maybe 10 to 15 out of a motorcycle tire on the rear. And how much does a car tire cost? Well, a car tire was $85 as opposed to a $250 tire. And I was getting double the mileage. 
What brand did there. you buy? Uh, it was. I, I, you know, I have it written down someplace. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Right, and um, you, yeah, you have to find yeah it finding a finding the motors finding the car tire is uh, can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, you know, usually you have to go with an off brand, um, the main brands uh, like Firestone and uh, whatnot. I, I've I've had difficulty finding. Uh, the size that I want. But, um, yeah, I basically just shop rim size and then see what's available. Um, Are you still running dark side? I am running dark side. I, I just wore out the last dark side tire on the V-Strom, and I have a spare rim with a motorcycle tire on it, so I just threw that on. Um, but I have, uh, I'm running dark side on my uh, <clears throat> Honda Valkyrie as well, which is basically a, a stripped-down Goldwing. Um, and I'm loving it on that bike as well. The um, the people, the, the big question people have is like, well, how well does it corner? <clears throat> you know, and they're like, yeah, it's, you know, my, my motorcycle tire is going to corner way better. It's like, I have no problem cornering on this bike. I can, I, I can scrape the pegs as I'm going around the corners. Um, you know, because they look at it and it looks flat on the bottom and, and, and it is, but it's not a brick, you know, it, it's, it's a rubber tire. It flexes, uh, it's designed to flex. So as you, as you, you know, as you lean into the corner, um, the tire flexes. And this is one of the things that, uh, Don did, uh, on his Moto Giant. Um, he had a, a Suzuki V-Strom that he put a dark side tire on. And hung hung one of his cameras off the back of the bike, and started you know running through corners just to see what kind of a contact patch he got, and um, noticed that he was actually getting a better contact patch with the car tire than he was with the motorcycle tire, because the motorcycle tire is you know it's curved, so um, and this tire this tire is flat but it starts to flex into the corner and. He said he had more rubber on the more rubber on the road than uh, than he did with a regular uh, motorcycle tire. So um, it's not for everyone, you know, and it's not designed actually to be a track tire. It it it, it it's for long distance motorcycling, but but it did acquit itself very very nicely, you know, on those switchbacks, uh, you know, on the Burr Trail Road. I also took it up and down the Moki Dugway. Um, which is another set of fabulous switchbacks, uh, just, just outside the, uh, Valley of the Gods in Southern Utah. That's still and, on my list. I haven't been able to get there yet. Ah, the Moki Dugway? Yeah, I want to do that sometime. Oh, yeah, that, that, that one, uh, was, it was absolutely fabulous. Just, you know, getting up to the top, uh, and, you know, you can just hang out up there and, and look out over the, uh, you know, the valley with, with all of these huge stone monoliths. Um, and then you can either plan a route out. I think you're up in the, uh, I want to call it Bears Ears National Park. Um, it's a monument, I think. But yes, Bears yeah, Ears. Yeah, yeah, Bears Ears monument. You're up in there and you can head out through that or you can just go back down the Moki Dugway and, and, and continue on your way. Um, 
So camping in the Valley of the Gods was, uh, yeah, that's the thing is I ran it through the Valley of the Gods, which, which is just, you know, it's, it's a dirt track through these stone monoliths, you know, and, um, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of curves, a lot of bumps and things like that. The tire had no problem getting through any of that. Um, and, uh, I loved camping in the Valley of Gods, you know, because it, it is BLM, BLM land. Um, and, I saw my first streaking meteorite, um, you know, not just shooting stars, but this was a meteorite that just seemed to go straight across my field of vision, just a huge orange fireball. So it's just, you know, it's, it's one of the things I love about getting out on the motorcycle, getting to these remote places, is you're away from any, uh, you know, light pollution and, you know... When, when it's night, it's just you and the stars and all of this amazing stuff. So, but, but no, running on the car tire was, was fabulous. Like I said, I, I just ran through the second one on the, uh, the Beastrom and I am stopping around to, to get a third to, to, to throw on there because it, it, it's, it's my preferred tire to have on there. And, and you I only run it on the rear? Um, yeah, you can only put a car tire on the rear. Um, on the Valkyrie, I run that what's called double dark, where, you know, I have the motorcycle tire on the rear and I have a rear motorcycle tire mounted in reverse on the front. And that is, that is for, because motorcycle, rear tires are designed to last longer than front tires. They have a harder compound in the center, um, you know, they're usually – the ones I run are dual compound, harder compound in the center with softer compound on the sides cornering, whereas front motorcycle tires tend to be the softer compound um, because you are, you know, you're not driving with it. Uh, you're more trying to stay stuck to the road with it. So they, they – uh, but if you put – one of these dual compound tires on the front, it, it's going to last a lot longer as well. At least that's the theory. Um, I've just recently done it, so I don't know how much um, further this tire might go, but uh, I do like the handling of it. I've actually met a few people who have done the double dark, uh, dark side on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, they, put, they put a car tire on the front? Yeah, front and the back. Huh, okay. I, I I haven't encountered that yet. I haven't I haven't heard of anybody. I mean I believe that people have done it. If if you if you know people who have done it then uh I'm sure it's out of there. Them. Couple yeah. uh couple of some nut jobs out there who like to do all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> I know a lot yeah, of nut jobs. Not, right? Right? Um but it's like I'm a member of this forum on a Facebook group. Uh, it's, it's a dark side group. It's one of the dark side groups. And there's over 17,000 people in this group. And uh, they kick out anybody who is disparaging of dark sides because it's just like we're not, we're not here to debate it. We're here because we like doing it and we want to share tips on how to do it and our experiences with it. So it's like 17,000, you know, people who are enthusiastic about it, and that's just in this Facebook group. So it's it's not an, an, un, an uncommon thing. Um, although, you know, the, living in Oakland, there's a, there's a lot of twisty roads. You know, running the, the Pacific Coast is a gorgeous, twisty set of roads, and you've got all the mountain roads 
uh, fall through there. And I, I was pretty much the only person in the area who was running dark side. Um, and I won the begrudging respect of some, some guys who, uh, you know, see people who I respect how they ride. Um, and after a while they go, all right, I get it. You know, it's not what I want to do, but, but I get it. And, uh, you seem to know what you're doing. So it's, um, you know, it's a thing. It's not as common, but, uh, but there are a lot of us out there doing it. I mean, different strokes for different folks. Right. Um, Gotta let F9, people do, do them. Right. Yeah. F9, Fort 9, the, uh, the guy who does the, uh, the motorcycle, uh, videos. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So basically, uh, he's, he's a shill for Canada's Redzilla arm, which is Fort 9. Um, but he's, he did a thing on dark siding and begrudgingly had to admit that, you know, it, it has its, uh, it, 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 it has its merits. And when he's like, you know, fun versus, uh, things that might be dangerous about it, that the fun side seemed to win out. Um, so, I mean, one of the comparisons he made, which I felt was kind of an unfair comparison, he said, you know, these tires really grip the road, but I'm trying to break traction all the time. And, you know, a picture of him spinning out in the dirt, uh, you know, deliberately spinning out in a corner in the dirt. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's not what this is designed for. But I realized what he was doing was saying, these tires have good traction on the tarmac. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, e- even guys like him who are trying not to like them have to begrudgingly say, okay, I, I can see the point to them. So, you know, the, people come up with all these, these arguments. It's like, well, the bead isn't going to sit properly on the rim, uh, you know, because it, it, it doesn't double lock onto the rim. And it's like, if you've ever tried to put one of these tires on the rim, you'd realize that it's not coming off. You don't have to worry about that. I, I, I haven't heard anybody um, talk about a tire blowing off the rim. Uh, and like I said, I'm in this group with 17,000 people. If it had happened to somebody, they'd talk about it. Like, okay, whoa, here's this thing you got to watch out for, right? And no conversations about that whatsoever, so... You know, it's they come up these. Basically, it's like they come up with something that they decide they want to be afraid of, and then start presenting it as if it's a fact when it's just basically something they're afraid of. So, you know, I, I really dislike things like that. People talking about you know fears they have as if they're facts, um, when in fact it's just something that they're afraid of. And they have no, they, they, you know, they, they have nothing behind it other than the fact that they don't think it's a good idea. Well, it's a logical fallacy by using anecdotal experience to justify a opinion into a fact. And just because you didn't like a thing doesn't mean everyone else won't like that thing. But it's, right. a, limited, it's a limitation of perspective. Yeah. It, we all have them in certain places, you know. We do. I do have my opinions, Yes. <laughs> they may not have, you they, you have opinions? Me have opinions? When did <laughs> that happen? No one's gonna believe that. <laughs> right? Right. But 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 I try not getting you know to the point where I need my opinion to be an accepted fact. 
You know, it's just like, well, this is what I think. You know, like pineapple on pizza is wrong. It is just so fucking wrong. Oh, I'm come sorry, on. Griffin. I love Hawaiian pizza. Uh, no, you can go. No, no. Here. Hawaiian pizza is not a thing. It's, oh, it, dude, it, it's, yes. It's so good. No, no. It's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I'm feeling judged right now. <laughs> yeah, you should. And you absolutely should. <laughs> because anybody who puts pineapple on their pizza is obviously a horrible person with no taste. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Z. I'm a horrible person with no taste. I like right. on my pizza. <laughs> uh, although, you know, I have to say I have tried it. You know, it, it is just, um, like, if you didn't call it pizza, I might be able to get my mind around it a little bit better. Like, you know, dough and sauce with ham and, and pineapple, okay, that's one thing. But to call it, I grew up in New York. You know, it's just, I, I, it, yeah, it's wrong. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah, James' a strong it, opinion on Hawaiian people. Yeah, yeah. There, there are people who don't get my, like, my sense of humor with this. I, I was out with a group, and, and uh, we're discussing something, and I just said, yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. And this person, you, you can't tell them they're wrong. They're, they're entitled to their opinion. And they're getting all, like, bent out of shape over it, whereas everybody else is just kind of like chuckling under their breath because, you know, they realize this person isn't getting my sense of humor. And uh, I I just actually got to spend uh, a weekend with this person, uh, you know, them and their partner stayed here for a couple of days. I'm I'm good friends with their partner. And uh, they finally got it. They're just like, oh, okay. And they started doing it and realized it's fun. It's fun to just tell somebody they're wrong, but you don't really, you know, you don't really mean it, like in a mean sense. It's just you're basically saying this is my opinion, but my opinion is it's wrong. Right. So, like like people would say, you know, yeah, it's putting a motorcycle tire on the back of a motorcycle, you know, car tire on the back of a motorcycle is wrong. And it's just, you know, well, yeah, that's your opinion. I get told I'm wrong all the time, and I and I always say, if this is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So, so do you have any advice or suggestions for anyone heading out for their first trip, or who's considering coming to one of my weird little gatherings, or going dark side? Well, the, the first thing that people should consider you know, who are considering coming to one of your weird little gatherings should do is stop considering it and just fucking do it because it's it's an amazing thing. You know, it's a warm, welcoming community. It's it's not like heading out someplace where people are just all about, you know, what kind of motorcycle they're riding. And if you're not riding that bike, well, fuck you, I'm not talking to you. It's just, it's just this warm, welcoming group of people, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and it's not always a rock strewn, um, like Chuck's, where we were at a couple of weeks ago, uh, was a fabulous, like if you can get out to Chuck's, that's, that's just an amazing place to go, period. Um, even, even if you're not going to one of these things. Um, oh yeah, they're, they're yeah. bunker biker hosts, so you can hit them up and stay with them anytime. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, just, um, some of these, and, and talk and talk to the people. And, and ask questions, if, especially if you're new to to this. Um, 
you probably need less than half the gear you think you're going to need. Um, it's, it's, you're probably better off learning how to live with, um, a couple of changes of underwear, a couple of changes of socks, a change of pants, a couple of shirts, well, all of which you can roll into a small bag. Um, because you're generally not going out on dates when you're doing this, you know, heading out on the road for a while. So, you know, if you get a little bit ripe from now and again, get used to it. It's it's, it's not a bad thing. Well, you know, uh, if you're going to get a date on the road, that's part mm-hmm. of the charm, being crusty and wearing road clothes. Exactly. Part of the look. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. funny you enough, know, even coming to the rally with minimal stuff, you, you remember Eddie, right? OG? Yes. He bought a tent. Like, literally, he shows up, he sets this tent up, and he takes a nap on the outside of it. And so we're watching Eddie over the next week while we're camping together. And at the end, before Eddie's leaving, we're like, Eddie, why did you bring the tent? You barely used it. And he said, I thought you guys would make fun of me if I didn't have one. No, Eddie, we don't care where you sleep. You could have just slept outside. Yeah. Oh, my God. Eddie was great. He, he was, he, he was, he, he's one of these crusty old dudes as well. You know, rides a Harley, but is more than happy to hang out with anybody who's on a motorcycle. So it was just, but yeah, you get different people doing different things. Like if if, if you're comfortable not camping, you know, just sleeping out in your sleeping bag, that's cool. Um, you know, a, a lot of you folks, I know you do it, you know, with the hammock camping, um, which I haven't tried yet. Um, you know, it's uh, a, a Apparently, it's a thing. Um, figure figure out what kind of camping you'd like to do, um, or or use the bunker biker. Um, there's 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 people cross country and back who are more than happy to just um, host somebody. You get in touch with them, and if if they're around uh, and there's spaces available, they're like, yeah, come on, show up. Um, you know, it's free. I mean, that's that's one of the things about Bunker Biker is, you know, you're not allowed to charge for people to stay with you. Although people sometimes, you know, they, they offer something to pay or they bring a couple of beers or, or whatever just as a, you know, a, a way to say thank you to the host. Um, so it's just, but yeah, you know, kind of set a route if you're going to do a, a long distance thing, but don't be married to it. Uh, keep yourself open to change of direction. You know, if, if like you're, you're headed out and you're thinking, yeah, well, I want to get from, from here to here and this is the road I'm going to take. And somebody who like lives in the area says, well, that's cool, but you know, there's this other road here you might consider. Um, and that's the thing is, uh, that, that's how you learn about where some of the cool rides are, um, uh, is being open to, uh, to changing your route. Um, I, I know that the the most stressful times I've been on the motorcycle is when I have to get to a certain place at a certain time. Uh, then I'm then I then I'm worried about any kind of a delay. Whereas you know if I'm kind of pointed in a direction and I'm just riding the bike, it's like yep, yeah, hoping I find a campsite between now and then, kind of thing. But it's not as stressful. So try not to have too many pre-planned things. I did this one loop once uh, when I was first starting to do this where I had, you know, I was going to motel camp, which is another way to do it. 
had a series of cheap motels, and what I did was I reserved all the rooms ahead of time um, and found myself having to cancel them because I either wasn't getting there or I was getting there too soon and wanted to keep riding. So it's like, you know, the, the pre-planning thing is uh, it's important, but don't be married to it. Um, again, like half the gear that you think you're going to need, uh, you can always pick something up on the road if if uh, you realize that you need it. Like I, I had to change sleeping bags because the one that I had just really wasn't going to work for me. Um, but there's all kinds of sporting goods shops out there in the country and just eventually got to, to Bozeman where, uh, you know, when they, they do they, their sporting goods shops are very different than uh, other places. They, they've got everything and uh, found, a, found a much better sleeping bag. Um, so, yeah, so you can pick stuff up on the road um, and whatnot. So, and stop and smell the roses, you know. It's just. If you're out for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure, you should make sure you get a lifetime worth of memories out of it, not just tell yourself you're too much of in a hurry to stop and do the thing you wanted to do. Right. Exactly. It, I mean, it, it helps if you can be open-ended with your time. A, a lot of people that you know they're still they're still working. They have jobs they have to get back to. Um, so try not to overplan the trip, so that you you know you're packing too much in. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it, it helps to have a direction. So, but yeah, it's, everybody should get off on a once in a lifetime trip. You know, nobody ever wanted, gee, I wish I spent more time at the office carved on their tombstone. Right. You know, yeah, right. It's just, um, and well, I've, I've kind of lived my life, um, bouncing from here to there. Most of my jobs were very short-term, six months here, a year there, maybe, um, you know, until I got older. Um, and I didn't really suffer because of it. You know, I, I had time. I was getting out. I was doing things. I mean, there there is um, – I, I think too many people – I watched this one guy. He was uh, 66 years old. Nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. Um, he and his wife, they, they had this plan, um, you know, that they, they, they did their working lives. He was eligible to retire, but his wife wasn't going to be able to retire for another year and a half. So he was going to work that year and a half, and they were going to retire together and had this brilliant retirement plan where they were just going to, like, jump into an RV, go all around the country, da 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 and a month before she retired, he keeled over dead of a heart attack. And, you know, it's like the time to live is now. The time to live is now um, because the future isn't guaranteed to any of us. And um, yet do a once-in-a-lifetime trip. And the thing is, if you do it when you're younger, you'll <laughs> – you're going to have more energy and stamina to do it. I mean, you know, here I am, like I said, I'm 67 years old. Uh, I have a body that is partially debilitated uh, from a couple of surgeries, which I've, I've bounced back from enough to, to be able to get out. But um, I'm glad that I did the things that I did in my youth. Um, but 
you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. I agree. It's been really great talking to you, James. Well, thank you, Z. I, I've enjoyed talking to you as well. Uh, I always enjoy hanging out with you. If, if you ever get a chance to meet Z, uh, it's, 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 she's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, it is. You know, you, uh, AJ, AJ is fabulous. Um, you know, it, it, you, you just create these warm, welcoming environments for people, non-judgmental. Um, and I, I just, I love what you're doing for the community, you know, with, with your, uh, minimalist motorcycle vagabonds and bunker biker and, uh, this podcast and all the other things that you're doing that, that people don't get to see. Uh, that aren't as visible, but, uh, support the motorcycling, uh, uh, you know, especially the, the, the long distance vagabond motorcycling community. So, um, I, I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Definitely. Hopefully I'll figure out where my rally is next year and you'll be able to make it. You know, I'm looking forward to that. If nothing else, I'll see you at Chuck's. Definitely. So, All right, James. Uh, I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Z. You as well. Take care. Say hey to AJ for me. I will. All, All right. right. Bye.